Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. God is in the shape, in the faith-shaping business. That's what he does. And uh, it takes time to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. God is stretching our faith, growing our faith moment by moment. And part of what we're looking at in the story of Abram or Abraham and Sarah is a couple learning to grow by faith. And marriages need to learn to depend on faith as well. It's not just a solo journey that you go through. We should probably, at this point, put Abraham and Sarah together. And we've seen in this married couple that sometimes what happens is one, one person's faith is stronger than another's. One person blows it, and the other person seems to be solid, and then it flips around, and in this particular chapter, it'll flip around again. Now, you may not be married tonight, but... That doesn't matter because we're doing faith together as a church as well. We're learning to encourage one another's faith and all the more as we see the day drawing near. In fact, the book of Hebrews says one of the main reasons that we gather together is to encourage one another's faith. And I hope you see your participation as just that. That it's not just to come and listen It's not just to come and have your individual faith challenged and stretched, although it is that. It is to be a tool in the hand of the master to be an encouragement to other people's faith. Would you pray with me? Father, as we come before you right now and look at Genesis 18 and this rich section, uh, we want to pray, Lord, that you would stretch our faith. That can even be a dangerous prayer, Lord, we know, but we know that you are uh, faithful that what you do, you do for our good and for your glory. And tonight, Lord, as we come before your word, there are so many areas of our lives that need stretching and new eyes and new faith. And I pray that you would breathe fresh faith into us tonight, into your people. Bless our time together. Point out to us wonderful things from your word, wonderful things about you and who you are. Take us on that faith journey, Lord, so that we can trust you more We pray that in Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Well, as you go along in the journey of Christianity and life in general, you're gonna find that faith is the, probably the singular most important thing in your life. But your faith is only as good as the object in which it is placed. If you have faith in the wrong thing, your faith is futile. It's meaningless. I did a memorial service for my aunt this week. My aunt passed away in her 80s. And I I have a lot of great childhood memories of those days. And I was talking to one of the workers at the the, uh, cemetery afterwards, and he told me that as the years have gone by, he's heard the perspective of many different faiths at the cemetery because he helps families walk through this. And I understood what he was saying, but I had been talking about the Good Shepherd, and I had been talking about Jesus Christ, and I said, I understand that you hear from a a lot of different isms and religions, but I'm talking about the Good Shepherd. I'm talking about Jesus Christ getting you to the other side. 
I was trying to make a point to the man and trying to still be gracious to him that Jesus claimed to be the singular way to God. He's the singular way to end up at the right destination. And your faith will, uh, you know, it will determine a lot of things in your life. Have you ever, maybe you've met somebody, maybe you're that person tonight that kind of wallows in unbelief. I've, I've known some people over the years, and it seems like every time I see them, whether I see them every five years or 10 years, they stay stuck. Unbelief will keep you stuck. Now, I don't believe that faith in God is some leap into a dark chasm where you check your brain at the door and you just say, whatever, I just have to believe. I have to believe. Faith is not like pixie dust. Faith is not, you know, I I believe I can fly, that kind of thing. If I just imagine it hard enough, I believe it. No, faith is object-oriented. Faith, your faith is in the God of the Bible. And the question is, do you believe that the God of the Bible is worth trusting? Do you believe he's worth trusting? Do you believe that anything is too difficult for him? In fact, I would say this to you, and I think we downplay the power of faith a lot of times, and I'm not talking about power in our own faith, but but the power of our faith in God I think we downplay that. And in fact, the Bible says that unbelief is no less than sin. In fact, the sin of unbelief is what will get all people one day condemned. If you won't believe, then you are gonna be stuck and you're gonna end up under the judgment of God. If you won't put your faith in Jesus Christ, because what you're saying when you say, I don't believe, is you're saying that God is a liar. Think about it. God's given us 66 books. He entered into time and space in the person of Jesus Christ in the very history in which we are embedded. And when we say, I won't believe you, I won't take you at your word, what are we saying? I don't believe you're trustworthy. I don't believe you're believable. I mean, there's some people in our world that I would say, be careful. You know, don't just jump out there and trust everybody. But the question that circles back around for all of us as believers is, will we trust in God? This is what, you know, much of our lives is really about. Now, chapter 18 opens with these words. Now, the Lord, that is Yahweh, that means the existing one, Genesis 18, verse 1, appeared to him, that's to Abraham, by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. Now, chapter 18 opens up with this appearance of the Lord, and chapter 17 was an incredible chapter. It opened up with these words. Go back and look with me. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. That's God Almighty. Walk before me and notice, be blameless. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and I will multiply you exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of a multitude of nations. And God changed his name to Abraham, from Abram to Abraham, from Sarai to Sarah. And God is making these promises. And God even told Abraham in this chapter, This time next year, your wife, who I know is pretty old, is going to have a son, and his name will be Laughter. 
Isaac or Isaac. This is the promise that God made. Did Abraham share that promise with Sarai, now Sarah? Uh, it would appear that he did, but maybe she, you know, she wasn't around for the, the direct interaction. But now the Lord appears again to Abraham, and it's not too far removed from the previous chapter. Why did God appear again? You look at verse 10. Chapter 18, he said, I will surely return to you at this time next year, and behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. I point out verse 10 just to let you know that this second appearance from 17 to 18 is probably within a few weeks of the appearance of chapter 17. And part of what God said in 17 was, Abraham, there's going to be a sign between me and you, and the sign will be, you remember, some of us walked out with the pain look on our face last week because it was all about circumcision. That's right. And Abraham obeyed God and he took all the males of the household, even those who were servants in the house, and circumcised them all. And so the whole household obeyed God and that's how chapter 17 pretty much ended. And now the Lord appeared again to Abraham uh, and notice it says, by the oaks of Mamre, that's where Abraham had made an altar earlier. If you look at Genesis 13, um, look at verse 18. Go back a few pages. Genesis 13, verse 18 says, Then Abraham, or Abram, moved his tent and came and dwelt by the oaks of Mamre, which are in Hebron, that's the location. And there, what did he do? He built an altar to the Lord. And the Lord is going to appear now by these oaks of Mamre where Abraham lives, but also where he made an altar. Now, God can appear to us anywhere. He can speak to us anywhere. But have you noticed that places that are consecrated, like churches and special uh, uh, areas of life, look, you don't have to go into a church and pray. You can pray in your car. Just keep your eyes open. You guys all know that, right? You can pray anywhere, but it seems like when you consecrate a spot unto God, it seems like sometimes he'll visit you right there. And I told you in an earlier study that we have to, when our faith is waning or we're, you know, we've been sliding away from God, we've got to get back to those places where we can hear from the Lord. Sometimes that simply means turning down the volume in your life. For some people, that means returning to church. For some people, that means seriously returning to their Bible. Are you in one of those categories tonight? Well, that's what Abraham did. He returned to a place where an altar was set up in his life, and God visited him there later on. And notice in Genesis 18.1, if you go back there, it was the Lord, this is not Adonai here, 18.1, this is Yahweh, and it means he is the existing one, and he appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he's sitting at the tent door in the heat of the day. The workers who worked in the agrarian age would work in the early morning hours. In the heat of the day, sometimes they would take a nap. And since Abraham was a pretty old dude right now, he's like 99 years old, he was probably napping, I would imagine, <laughs> by the tent door. How many of you enjoy a good nap in the middle of the day? All right. When you're a little kid, it's the last thing you want to do. When you get older, it's the only thing you want to do. But anyway, that's another story. And so the Lord appears to Abraham. Now you're going to note here that the Lord is going to appear in human form. He's going to appear with two others. And the question is, 
when the, the Lord appears, when the Bible says something like this, what's going on? Because this is way before the Lord took on human form in the incarnation. This is way before he was born on that Bethlehem night. So what's going on here? There's a key verse I want to point out to you. It's found in John 1. If you go there, John chapter 1. John 1 is a great chapter to study the deity of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, 1.14, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Notice, John 1.14, the glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, those verses are well known, but skip down to verse 18, and this is one that you should put in this same category. No man has seen God at any time. John 1.18, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father has, what's your Bible say? Explained him, that word could be rendered, has made him known. Jesus, John 1.18, go back to Genesis, is the explanation of God. He is God in a bod, if you like rhymes. In fact, in Exodus 3, when uh, the angel of the Lord, it says, uh, is in the bush, the angel of the Lord, and I've been telling you that scholars believe the angel of the Lord is a pre-Bethlehem appearance of Jesus, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord is the one that speaks to Moses from the burning bush. And Moses goes up to see the great sight, and there's a bush burning, and yet it's not what? Consumed. And the bush becomes a type of Israel. They are going through the fires of affliction. They are burning under the Egyptian taskmasters, yet they are what? Not consumed. It's because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. And so Moses turns to see this great sight, and one of the first things that the voice of the burning bush tells Moses is, take off your sandals, or you are on holy ground. And the Bible says that Moses was afraid to even look upon God. The angel of the Lord and God are the same in this particular section. What's my point? My point is that every time there is an appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament, it seems to be that what we have is a Christophany. That is, we have an appearance of the second person of the Holy Trinity in the Old Testament. And there are times when he takes on a form of humanity. Example, Joshua is getting ready to fight in Joshua chapter five. And the Lord appears as a warrior. And Joshua says, are you for us or for our enemies? And he identifies himself as the commander of the armies of the Lord, and he, he says basically, you know what, I'm not on your side, I, I'm, I'm the commander of the army, and I have now come. And Joshua, what does he do? Takes off his sandals, for he is on holy ground. The Lord appeared to at key moments in time in the Old Testament, and he, he appeared in the burning bush in Exodus 3, he appeared as a warrior in Joshua 5, Moses needed to know that the people of Israel were burning under the affliction of the taskmasters, but yet not consumed. They would not be consumed. Joshua needed to know that the Lord was a warrior and he was on his side, so he appeared as a warrior. 
And in Genesis 18, God appears as a traveler. And one writer said that God will appear sometimes in different ways according to the need of the moment and and according to the encouragement that a believer needs. And so in these individual cases when God appears, it's not always the same. He's a warrior. He's a traveler. He is in the bush that burns and yet is not consumed. And there's a sub-message being sent to the people of God. And here's the message. Take courage. The existing one will be what you need him to be for you. Do you believe that? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? That's the question that is continues to emerge in the Bible and in our own hearts, the question, will we take God at his word? And so the Lord appears, look at Genesis 18, verse 2, and when he, Abraham, lifted up his eyes and looked, behold, three men were standing opposite him, and when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. Now remember, this dude's 99 and he's running. I can barely run at 50. Not only did he run, he bowed down. Here's the word shakah in Hebrew. This is the usual Hebrew word for worship. He ran and he bowed himself uh, to the earth. He bowed down before these three men. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now, I wonder, and maybe you're wondering this too, why the back-to-back appearances so close together. Do you think that because maybe what was going on is that in this tent there remained some unbelief? Maybe there was some uh, you know, intense fellowship, as some of us like to put it, in the marriage going on? You're going to have a son. How is that going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> but that's what he said. Are you going to believe? I don't know. Right? You're sleeping. Where do you sleep if, you, if you're in a tent? Sleep the camel's house? I don't know. Anyway, not the doghouse, but I, I would just imagine that maybe what was going on is prayer was going up from Abraham and from Sarah, kind of like this. Lord, have you ever been here before? I don't understand this. I don't get this. I don't understand the mechanics of it. I don't know how you're going to do this. Please, send us, how many of you pray this way? Confirmation. (laughs) Send me some assurance that, indeed, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've had some moments in my own pastoral uh, career where I felt like I prayed about something, and then the Lord gave it to me, and then I was like, Lord, I don't think that's you. (laughs) I had chili last night. I don't know. I'm a... I'm going to double check. I'm going to fleece this, right? Are you sure that's what you want me to say? <laughs> right? And there's been times when the Lord just kind of, and then, I, then I'm not even looking for assurance. I say I want it. <laughs> I want assurance for a way out. And can I get a witness? So if the Lord says something that's challenging or stretching to me, then my, my prayer is, Lord, would you confirm this as a negative It's really what I'm looking for here. So are we truly praying about it or are we just kind of trying to direct God? 
I think in the 10, I think we could read between the lines a little bit here, based upon the quick back-to-back appearances of the Lord and, and see that maybe Abraham or maybe Sarah or maybe both of them needed a little bit more. Abraham has a sense when he sees these three visitors, they just kind of appear. It doesn't say they rode in. It doesn't say they walked up. He just, and maybe he was napping, maybe he wasn't, but he just lifted his eyes and there they were, three of them. Some scholars have said maybe they represent the Trinity, but I think it's clear from other scriptures that it's the Lord and two angels. We'll see that in Genesis 19. And so um, here they appear. There's three of them, and Abraham is running around. Uh, There's a sense of urgency. He runs up to them. He bows down to the earth, and he bows before Abraham. In this case, we're going to see the Lord of the universe. Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels unaware. Hebrews 13.2. Do you know that most scholars of the Bible believe that Hebrews 13.2 was primarily fulfilled in Genesis 18, what we're reading right now, in the, the idea is that the one that entertained angels unaware, or at least unaware for a time, was none other than Abraham. And so you and I should be hospitable too. Hospitality is where we get the idea of a hospital. Hospitality can mean to open up your home, but more than that, it means to open up your heart. Would you consider yourself a hospitable person? Do you let people into your life to take a look at your Savior and your Lord? Hospitality is not just about hosting a barbecue. It can be that. And in fact, Hebrews 13.2 says, do not neglect to entertain strangers. I barely entertain people I like, (laughs) let alone Strangers? What do you mean? It's a dangerous world, my mother would tell me. She tells me all the time. Be careful, Michael. Be careful in your daily, weekly activities. This is my mother, Italian mother. But it's how I know she loves me. She's always, how many of you parents? Be careful has become your main two words now to your children. Just a few of you? Oh, okay. Anyway. And so... Don't neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Uh, In fact, notice verse 3, Genesis 18. He said, my Lord, this is Adonai, it means sovereign controller. Your Lord, Adon in the Hebrew picture language means the first judge, the one who is strong, sovereign, master of your life. In other words, you run everything by him first. If you're going to call someone Lord, you're going to say, you're my Lord, then you run everything by him first. That's the essence of Lord. The word Lord means what? Master. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And Jesus even said that if you're going to be my friends, then do what I say in John chapter 15. And Abraham was known as a friend of God. Some have entertained angels unaware. And he said, my Lord, Adonai, sovereign controller, if now I have found favor in your sight, notice the words of Abraham, 
Please do not pass your servant by. You are my Lord. Look at verse 3. I am your servant. I don't know if Abraham really knows who this is yet, but I think he senses that this is a special visitor or visitors. I think he senses that this is a divine appointment. In fact, maybe this is what he's been praying about. And now when it happens and he sees these three visitors, he says, oh Lord, do not pass me by. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael Lance, and I am sitting here with Pastor Brian Richards, youth and young adult pastor doing many other things. One of the great things that's happening is the Truth Academy. Tell our listening family a little bit about the Truth Academy, what's going on with it. Well, it's a seven-year vision of our church. It's a passion that I've had for a long time, sort of a dream in my heart that's finally come to fruition, and it's just a Bible college that we're offering, and we have a full two-year program in Christian theology and apologetics, and we're building three-year programs in pastoral ministry and church leadership and all kinds of different things. One of the taglines that we have on the ministry is it's high-level education at a fraction of the price. I know it's very difficult when you're someone who's considering like a seminary-level education to factor the the finances and the time in there. Um, Tell us about where it takes place and, um, you know, a little bit more about the, uh, the time and the financial part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, classes are here at the church and uh, they take place on Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, they're eight-week classes, so you're able to just hone in on one class or two classes at a time and then you get a four-week break and then you go at it again. So it's a lot easier on the mind and I think the body. The cost is less expensive than even your typical community college. It's $55 per unit. You know, we're offering what I believe is graduate level classes and to offer it at at that tuition is, you know, it's, we're basically giving it away. And I look at it as a labor of love, right? Um, It's something I'm passionate about and I want to offer that type of education to, to everyday people. And I don't want the finances to be a hindrance to that. That's a blessing. And it's not just for someone who's considering like pastoral ministry. It's for anybody who just wants to get that next level of insight into the scriptures, even into logic or exegesis of the scriptures and that kind of thing. So that's awesome. What's coming up with Truth Academy and how would someone find out more information and be able to fill out like an application? Yeah, so our summer quarter is starting the end of June. Right now we're in open enrollment for new students that would like to apply, and that goes till June 2nd. And the website is www.thetruthacademy.com. There's an apply now button right at the top, and that'll get you started on the application process. So if you live anywhere near the Inland Empire and you can come out to Truth Academy, thetruthacademy.com, check it out today. Thanks, listening family. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.